This is DDS. From the DDS studios, we are your hosts, Blake Melton, Bradley Newberry, and the man, Matthew Two-Tone Blue Parker. Parker, good God almighty, college football in the Southeastern Conference is finally here. At last, at last, if that intro doesn't make you want to kick somebody in the teeth, nothing will. <laughs> Hope. All over the place. Every yeah. team is yeah. zero. And zero, absolutely. There can only be one winner. Yeah. There can only be one representative of the SEC East. And that's what we're talking about right now. Absolutely, guys. Hey, we really thank you for joining us. Tonight on this, our SEC Eastern Division 2022 prediction show, it's finally here. But while we're here, go ahead, go down below, click like and subscribe for us. Really helps the show out. Give us a rumble on rumble. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also catch all the audio versions of all of our podcasts on your favorite podcasting platform, Newberry. Where do we start? We begin today's episode, West End, Nashville, Tennessee, and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vanderbilt last year was 2-10 overall, 0-8 in SEC play led by Coach Clark Lee coming back for his second year. Parker, to say he has a major rebuild still is an understatement. God, you know, I feel sorry for Clark Lee. But this year, he gets a little break schedule-wise, although I might have said the same thing last year before they got beat down by East Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. You know, and something people aren't talking about with Vandy, everyone's transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff. You can't hardly transfer to Vandy. They don't take everyone's credits. So it is a very difficult spot to transfer to in this world. So Clark Lee doesn't have a hill to climb. He's got a mountain. I have three words written at the top of my paper, Newberry. Bad, bad, bad. Because that's what the situation is at Vandy. I mean, what else can you really say? I mean, like Parker said, it's not an easy place to try to get transfers. Um, They don't really have a quarterback, the quarterback situation figured out there. They just don't have the talent level, quite frankly. Um, I I don't see, I mean, my question is really, can they not, can they get much better is, is can they win a single game? And that's hard for me to find out. I mean, they can, will they? We'll see. The former defensive coordinator from Notre Dame trying to establish a winning culture at Vanderbilt. Tough, tough task. We have NIL. Yep. We have we have the great city of Nashville, though. They got that going for them. Yeah, it's a great draw. It really is. But Parker, let's talk about facilities. Oh, geez. Here we go. What facilities? There's two high schools here in Middle Tennessee that have better facilities than they do. They have not touched that stadium since the early 80s. Literally. That's not me making up stuff. I went there in the uh, 1997 as a, as a Tennessee Oilers fan, and that stadium was not made to be filled. At the end of the games, it would take hours. It would take hours to get out. That, that, I think that I, I have hope that Clark Lee and the new 
the chancellors and, and the people over there are actually going to start investing into this program. I know that's going out on a limb here, but I, I do think that. My wife says you need to invest in some better. that they can you know that they will put money into it i mean you see with their their baseball program right they're putting money into into that athletic venture over there why not try at least putting some money into the football program i don't get it it's embarrassing every single time that their games are televised whenever they pan up into the, the stands and you see the dozens and dozens of fans it's it's just humiliating. I got one question before we move on because we've already probably talked about Vandy too much. Uh, yep. Parker, what do you make of Coach naming Mike Wright the starting quarterback over Ken Seals? I mean, I think it's the right move. They did that during the SEC media days, but I honestly believe the offense is going to move the ball. It's likely through a tough running game. Last year, Vanderbilt averaged 16 points a game and only scored 24 two times. Since 2005, Vandy has only won two openers against an FBS team. I mean, they've. I think he's the, the the possibility that they have to win games. They've always can go back to seals, but Mike Wright was the way to go, and he's really well spoken. And I actually like where the weird as this is, I like where this team is headed. Do you see anything on the schedule, Blake, that pops out to you for Vandy? No, I mean I see some games early on. Like if they need to try, they need to try to capitalize on some of these wins. But honestly, I just don't think that they can. I mean, three of their four first four games, they might have a chance to win. And I guess I'll go ahead and start us off here. I got them going two and ten, guys. I got them winning against Elon in Northern Illinois. I don't think that they can make that trip to Hawaii and be focused enough to play. Um, mine is, I saw a quote from Clark Lee saying he felt the strain of resuscitating a program. Mm. I believe he feels the strain again. I'm forecasting Vanderbilt to go two and 10. Defensively, they were the worst team, the sec yards and points allowed. But when I dug into the numbers, it wasn't all about the defense. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It was just, it was the offense. The defense wasn't that bad. The offense was so bad that it put the defense in horrible situations. Recruiting is starting to get better. The defense is moving the right the right way. And while I say I like Clark Lee, one of the main reasons I like that, a stat to show how coaches are doing is discipline. And last year, Vanderbilt opponents had 91 flags for over 800 yards, while Vandy had 66 for about 500. I am not sure they win an SEC game. But I believe that they are going to win four games this year. Whoo, that's high expectations there. High expectations. I won't ask you who those four are because hey, they get some stuff away. Hey, they're going to party in Hawaii, baby. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Newberry. Who's next? We're moving on to the Missouri Tigers. Missouri Tigers, led by Coach Eli Drinkwitz. This is his third season at Mizzou. I mean, I see nothing but a 50-50 team here, man. They haven't 
lost a lot. They haven't won a lot. Their quarterback, Connor Bazelak, transfers away. Now they're left with Brady Cook as the starting cornerback or quarterback. Parker, do you see anything better than a 50-50 squad? No. No, I don't. This offense needs to be more consistent against good teams. They show up against crappy teams. You know, if they get to 400 yards total offense, they win. And they did that against the bad teams on their roster. When they didn't hit 400 yards against the good teams, they went 1-6 all year. And not just the offense, the defense. Missouri's defense was the second worst in the SEC mathematically and on the numbers. But I would argue that it's actually the worst. It's worse than Vandy. Vandy didn't have an offense, as I just talked about, to put them in these situations. At least Missouri had a bit of an a, a, a bit of an offense to move to to move the ball. Mizzou gave up 24 points in every single game, except for Florida, and they gave up 23 in that one. Again, you mentioned Bazelak. He's gone to Indiana because I guess he thought Indiana was a better situation than Missouri. I, I mean, we assume that Brady Cook is is going to be the starter. I mean, I, I, who really knows, right? But, I mean, you know, I know in the age of the transfer portal, there's a lot of folks that are going to be coming in on the offensive side with transfers. But, I mean, it, it, again, like we're talking about, is it going to really make a difference? I, I don't really know that it will. I say no. That- I mean, their defense was second last in the SEC. That's bad. And I'm concerned that they lost running back Tyler Beatty. He's now with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, how do you make up over 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns? I mean, you tell me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's transfers, 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 and they're having to do it both on offense and defense. But is it just too much? Are you just asking too much, you know, in a short amount of time? Yeah, it's too much. You don't make up that. That's the answer. Is there, There is no answer. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's as simple as that. I just don't think that they can make that up. I think this is going to be a very bad team. I think if Vanderbilt is going to be an SEC team, which I right now sitting here think they probably will, this is the team they're going to be. Well, let's talk about the schedule and what do we see? Do we see wins? Do you see mostly losses? I see see early wins for sure. But, you know, and then we start getting into SEC play. I mean, they've (laughs) – they uh, they're at Auburn. Georgia comes to them. Then they're in Florida. Vanderbilt is at home with them. They go to South Carolina, Kentucky, and then Tennessee. They're at Tennessee. They, I mean, this is going to be a theme in the East prediction show here. The East is rising for the most part. Is you- this the type of team that's going to rise with the East, or is this just going to be what most of us think is just another Vanderbilt without the tradition? You'll hear me mention schedule over and over. And the bigger thing, I I think that what's bigger than who is on their schedule is who's not on their schedule. They may be a worse team and win more games than expected because there is no Alabama. There's no Texas A&M. There's no Ole Miss. There's no Mississippi State. This is going to be a theme, guys, just to let you know over and over for me. But just the the, their pure schedule – could get them a few another win or two. And, and you all mentioned transfers. And I can't help but mention there is a massive transfer coming out of Clemson in the safety, in, for safety. And this team, I just – I don't think much less about many teams in the SEC than I do this team. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and start us off. 
I've got them going five and seven. That's me. They've got to do better against the run this year. Last year, they gave up an average of 5.3 yards per run. They gave up more than 200 yards seven times. Kentucky ran against them for 341 yards, and Tennessee smashed for 458. Bradley may know the transfer they pulled in, another big one, Tyron Hopper from uh, Florida, to help shear up that defense, but I don't see it happening. One more win than Vandy, five and seven. Mizzou, you're not going bowling this year. <laughs> None of us have you going bowling. I, I wrote down that you may start 3-0, and but I don't even know if I believe it anymore. I'm going at best 5-7, and seven, and that's my prediction. There you go. There you go. Just, I mean, it's more evidence that Missouri should not be here in the first place. Who's next? We're going to take a little trip to the South Carolina Gamecocks. Last season, they earned a a surprising, I don't know what else to say, a surprising, a shocking seven and six overall record. Three and five somehow in the SEC led by coach Shane Beamer. Coming back for his second year, the son of legend Frank Beamer. Parker was all over shitting on this team on our pick shows. How surprised were you with their season last year? I mean, massively. Think about this. Last year, they won seven games with a terrible quarterback and finished outside the top 110 in offense and still won seven. Like, if you would have told me that, I still would have made the same prediction that I made, right? Shane Beamer is just the real deal, right? It, it's bloodlines there, and the Gamecocks have landed a massive transfer at Spencer Rattler. Maybe getting benched helps wake up the for, former Heisman favorite. I, I just – I was completely wrong last year. I just think that they overshot what what they, they should have done, and the numbers show that they should not have won as many as they did. Blake, he mentioned uh, Spencer Rattler there. His best season, if we remember, was, what, two years ago when he had mm-hmm. – 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven picks. It's almost like I don't mean to compare him to Deshaun Watson because he's not. But almost having a full season off, what is is this coming into South Carolina? Well, I mean, that is the question, right? I mean, we don't really know what they're getting. Uh, I still wonder what does that time away from live action really do to a young player? Yes, he has got the pedigree, right? He 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 clearly has the resume, so to speak. We're talking about Spencer Rattler here. But and you, they're surrounded. They brought in a lot more tools in the wide receiver room uh, from the transfer portal as well. I mean, offensive line, their experience, but I mean, they got to do better. They're not as Tennessee fans. We know that experience doesn't mean jack shit. If you can't block, you know, if you have experience letting people run by you, that's a problem. But as far as last year, I mean, the question is really was last year a fluke. Did they overachieve? Did they do they did they go above what their ceiling really is? I I tend to think that maybe, yeah, they did. I think that that's that was kind of a flash in the pan. Uh, I think that, in my opinion, if they duplicate what they did last year, that that's a good year for them. Or even if they only win 
six games because I do think they weren't very good last year. Now they had the number one pass defense in the SEC last year, which is great. Um, the, their defense is there, right? But again, the East is rising. Is this another team that's rising with them? I think so. I think they're going to be greatly improved on offense. But was last year really what they are? Parker, I think what makes it scary for all of us is that if Shane Beamer can do that with the makeshift squad that he had last year, and he has some ballers this year, they could be a dangerous out in the SEC East. This team has the highest variance of any team in the SEC that I tried to dive into. I could predict them for five wins. I could predict them for 10 wins, literally. I can make that argument Mm -hmm. either way. And Blake made that perfect point because I was going to say, who is the number one pass defense in the SEC? It's Georgia, right? No, it's South Carolina. But the problem with them is that they were in the top 15 for forcing turnovers, which is what is kind of like that Iowa stat, what allows them to keep winning games, right? Right. Is that something they can maintain? Or is that something that usually is something for regression? You don't usually stay in those top 15 numbers unless you're the Alabamas, Georgias, you know, of the world. So where where does that go? I think there's not a question that their offense is going to be better. I mean, the water boy is not going to be their quarterback this year, right? The question is, what does that defense look like in a world full of SEC offenses that are improving? Exactly. That's my point is if the defense does regress because of the way that they had their defensive stats come about, right? You know, they had all the forced turnovers, but the offense improves. Yeah. I think they could sneak up on some people. I really do, but I just don't think that they're going to be the world beaters that maybe they think some of the South Carolina faithful might think. I don't see it. I mean, they come into this season with the number 10 overall roster strength in America, led by their defense. I think that their schedule is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm looking ahead at this schedule, Parker, I see Georgia State, a scrappy little team. That's given what most recently was at Auburn. Tennessee, gave too. It, Tennessee, Auburn gave them all hell. Now it's South Carolina's turn. So look out. Week one, South Carolina. Then you have to go go to Arkansas. And then you're playing host to Georgia. I mean, that could be tricky first three games to navigate. And uh, I, I just think it's uh, – I think it's going to be a tough – I'm going to – I'll start. I, yeah. I'm going to predict – I'm going right in the middle. I'm going to predict six and six. But I believe – I honestly believe they could win more. I couldn't predict it. I'm, I'm going to play it safe. Six and six. Yeah, I have to Bowl say eligible. that's what I. That's where mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm going six and six. And I'll say this as my last point for them: in the age of the transfer portal, this is kind of one of the first years where it's really kind of taken hold. We're having complete turnovers <laughs> of, of of a lot of teams just through the transfer portal. What does that do to a team? I mean, yeah, on paper it looks great, but there's all kinds of teams out there that look better than other teams on paper, but still lose. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I've got them at six and six. If you look up the top in Iadils in the country in the top 10 is Spencer Rattler. And I know last year they won six regular season games, 
but they I don't think anybody can argue with me. They dramatically overperformed. They beat Vandy by a freaking point for God's sakes. This year I have them going 7 and 5 and this is not a knock on them. I think they're 3 or 4 wins better than they were last year and if yes. Rattler is what he was supposed to be at the beginning of last year, that 7 and 5 may get blown out of the sky and and yeah, the sky's the limit for these guys and absolutely nothing to do but with SEC, but a random stat because I got interested in looking up their turnovers. Do you guys know what team led the nation in turnovers last year? I'm, I'm assuming. Is it going to be the team we're talking about right now? No, it's totally, totally random. It was MTSU. <laughs> MTSU. Yeah, there we go. Oh, the there Blue we go. Raiders right here. 30, in Tennessee. 32. Just couldn't help myself. Yeah, there you go. But did Byard sneak in the game? Hey, did he go back home? Hey, his they number won't be back home. That's no, right. They're retired. not going to be wearing that. They retired that number. Congratulations oh, to Kevin Byer. Who's next? We're going to take a a nice little trip down to the swamp in the Florida Gators. The Florida Gators. Coming off a six and seven season, only two and six in SEC play. Gone is Dan Mullen. That that team simply quit. And in is first year head coach Billy Napier. Questions, questions, questions. The first one that I have is to me, Blake. This seems like it's a a story, a storybook of culture versus talent. The culture has to be burned down. The talent was always there. Yeah, I mean, look, they're Florida. They're going to have talent. Even if this is a down year for them, they're not going to stay down for long. They're freaking Florida, right? They always have the real big talent pool down there to pull from. I mean, they're a perennial powerhouse, no matter really who's their head coach. Now that Darth Mullen, as I found out that that's what they call him down, down there, Darth Mullen is gone. Maybe things begin to turn around, but I will tell you this right now. You said it right out of the gate. This team quit last year, and a lot of those players are still there. That says something to me about their character, because a lot of college football – because you got kids playing that'll never play ever in the NFL. Character means a lot in college. And if if that is the kind of character that they're going to have that's still hanging around, Billy Napier might have a bigger uphill battle than we think. I mean, I assume they're going to score points. I mean, maybe. But, I mean, I, I there wasn't any reason they shouldn't have scored points last year, right? I think their defense could be the kind of the key – for them, can they keep people from scoring on them all day long? And will their character be tested early? And if it is, will they fold for the rest of the season? Oh, there's so many ways to go there. You just set it up beautifully. But a, a story for another day, I don't think Napier is going to last, but that's a whole different thing. But Billy Napier, how many people can say they coach under Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and then they took a terrible team to an unbelievable record? There aren't many people that have that cachet to say. And he is bringing in an unbelievable, massive coaching staff. I tried to, I mean, we're talking like assistant to the assistant to the assistant of strength and conditioning type people. 
He's got two offensive linemen, uh, around 60 coaches. He actually calls it, it his army. Newberry's embarrassed over here. I've got a lot of <laughs> no. I'm having horrible deja vu flashbacks to Urban Meyer and his 100 coaches with the Jacksonville Jaguars because yeah. I know how well that worked. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've got I've got several games. This is the issue with them because I just I still have more questions than answers. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five games that I think are toss up games for them. I'm looking at that Kentucky game. It's a toss-up game for me. Looking at the Tennessee game, I think that's a toss-up game too, even though on paper, I mean, I feel like Tennessee's better, but Tennessee's been better on paper a lot of times and lost to them. LSU, probably a toss-up game. South Carolina, we just talked about them. Who knows what we're going to get out of them, and I don't know where really what we're going to get out of Florida here. If that defense for South Carolina shows up, that might be bad news for the Gators. But then they finish the season with Florida State. And honestly, those rival games, those are always toss-up games. So we started, Parker, with the coach, Billy Napier. Then all eyes turned to quarterback Anthony Richardson. Yep. Let the beast go. He's got the wheels. Parker says he's got the deals. What do you see? I'll tell you this. First of all, I want to point out that six of Florida's first seven games are at home in the swamp. That's right. The first one against Utah could set up how both teams go the entire year. But as you're talking about Anthony Richardson and talent on Florida, I firmly believe that talent goes to Florida. I firmly believe that Florida does not have talent outside of Anthony Richardson this year. He had something to be special. He could do something. The problem is he needs to be more accurate. Last year, he's one of the top in the nation. 8% of all his passes last year should have been intercepted. Bryce Young, to put that into perspective, is just under 3%. So what are they going to do with him, right? They need to run him more, and, and that's a possibility because last year they've brought back four offensive linemen that played major time, and Napier, from, his, from where he's coming from, brings in the best left tackle in the country in the transfer portal as far as uh, people that are available to bring in. So maybe he can do that. I'm just really scared of of who they're they're throwing it to. I'm not sure there's a, a big-time receiver there. The, the issue on this team is going to be depth. There are playmakers, but depth is a major, major issue. Totally it is. agree. It is, because one of their strengths last year was their running back room. Yeah. And a lot of that's gone. Yeah. And one of them went to the Texans. Yeah. Um, a part of their culture shift was uh, from their defensive coordinator gone now. The defense has plenty of talent. They could not take the ball away to help the to help their offense out. It was like a bend, don't break type of thing. They didn't let them blitz that much. But uh, I I just hope that they play. I think that they have the talent. They get a reboot, a restart. But they're kids, man. They're kids. We're talking about 18 to 21 year olds. They're, so, that's true. But I mean, these kids are making tons of money. And you're and you're right about the, the defense. I mean, the strength of this team outside of AR 15 is the corners and the safeties. That is the strength of this team. And my God, they have got to be better at stopping the run. The run defense last year was dreadful. We know about this. We talked about mm-hmm. it. 
almost, almost weekly. Their scoring defense for Florida was outside the top 50. So it, you know, it's a good thing the, the defensive coordinator is gone, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think so. I'll go ahead and start us off here. Guys, I have them winning. Let's see. Two of those five 50-50 games and going six and six. Bradley, I just looked this up. I was curious because I knew about the turnover stat. Florida last year, they couldn't get turnovers. Right. They were ranked tied for 112th in turnovers last year. That's tied hard. with Akron, Maryland, Coastal Carolina, and behind teams like UTEP and San Jose State. I have got them going six and six, and that is based on Anthony Richardson going off. If he is not good, they will win four games. But I'm going six and six. Somehow they have the number 18 roster strength in the country. Vegas has them favored in nine of their 12 games. I'm not going to pick the Florida Gators to lose to Tennessee until Tennessee actually beats them. So there's a win for the Gators. I'm going Florida eight and four. What in the world? Eight and four. Good Lord. You're going to be a rich man and a potential surprise team in the East. Oh my gosh. Okay. We will, I'm sure, be revisiting that number. Yeah, at some it's point. gonna. I don't. I feel like that one's gonna age really well. Yeah, <laughs> we'll exactly. just wait for this next team. Where are we going next? We're going to Rocky Top and the UT Vols. The Vols earned a seven and six record overall, four and four in SEC play behind. Coach Josh Heupel coming back for his second year. A huge amount of excitement. You two know better than anyone else. Tell me what the people are saying and singing on Rocky Top. Well, um, so there are two sides. There are the battered Vols who they're going to believe it when they see it. it. Personally, I think that's I'm probably closer to that side. But then there are the, the the typical Vols, which are, you know, oh, man, we're going to win that national championship this year. We're going 11-1. and We're going to win the SEC East. Where did that voice come from? Oh, hey, you know it. You know hey. it. But, but anyways, but look, there is a lot of optimism, and it rightfully so around this team. I mean, is this offense for real? Is last year for real? Uh, is You know, we talked about South Carolina. Was that? South Carolina was that their real identity was last year Tennessee's real identity. The thing is, is everywhere Josh Heupel has been, that's what he's done. So yeah, I think it probably is the real deal. And even as a battered vol, I'm sitting here looking at the schedule and I'm like, Oh, I need to like go back and revisit my, my win total here because that can't be right. They're, they're not going to win that many games. Right. I mean, the offense, Average 475 and 39 points. That's good no matter what league you play in. The thing is, this year they got more a little more depth. I'm not going to say they have enough depth yet, but they, they got a, they got better on depth. They got some pieces they got to replace. But, you know, Hendo Cinco, right? Hendon Hooker, 
dark horse Heisman candidate. In my opinion, the most underrated quarterback in the country. I don't know how that happens with a guy with 30 some odd touchdowns and three interceptions. How's that happen? I don't know. Cedric Tillman, 1,100 yards receiving. Big time receiver came back. Got a whole host of, of receivers behind him. Brew McCoy, the transfer from USC. Is he going to be eligible? I don't really know the latest on that. We'll see. But, I mean, there's a lot of talent there. And there has to be in this offense because they do a lot of shifting. A lot of running backs. Yeah, they had a running back go down. But then they picked up the, the, the transfer, the former Clemson, West Virginia transfer, Lynn J. Dixon. He seems promising, but the playbook for Josh Heupel is thick. Got a lot of learning to do in a short amount of time. But let's address the elephant in the room. The defense is bad. Now, the, the question, though, is why were they bad? I mean, I think they got pressure on the quarterback fairly decently. But their secondary, it was so thin, particularly at linebacker. They had freaking tight ends as the backups. It was crazy. Are they are they deeper this year to make a different enough more deep enough? I don't know what the correct wording there is. Are they deep enough this year to make a difference? I don't know. That's a good question. But you know, Byron Young and Tyler Barron, they got to step up on the on the defensive line. They've got to get to the quarterback. They don't need to just disrupt the the quarterback. They need to sack the quarterback. And third down conversions. Jesus Christ, we got to get better at that, right? Those are the, really the, the keys to this season. So I don't know. I, I see a lot of wins on the schedule. I see there's a lot. We're talking about 50-50 games. One, two, three, four. I got four 50-50 games here. Florida, that's a 50-50 game. I think LSU's a 50-50 game. Kentucky, that's probably going to be a 50-50 game. And Georgia, I'm calling Georgia a 50-50 game just because I know the excitement around it. Do I really think the Vols are going to beat Georgia? Again, I'm a battered Vol. I don't think we're really going to beat Georgia, but I think that we'll give them a fight. Let's dissect this a little, Parker, because that was a damn mouthful. I've got so much. So I know you do. So let's do it to Parker. I think where optimism stays is in college football, if you have the quarterback, and you have a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, as Mm -hmm. Blake mentioned, good reason for optimism what do you have i mean you're right there's a ton of reason for optimism tennessee set a record for yards points touchdowns all this was to be expected under this new high-flying offense but maybe not in the first year guys go back and listen to me talk about a year ago i was high on hypo from day one and i'm sticking with it blake mentioned it hooker responsible for 36 touchdowns last year and three interceptions and didn't start two games and we mentioned Clemson's running back transferring in, Lynn J. Dixon. This guy's legit. He was supposed to be the number one guy for Clemson. It just happened to be that Will Shipley was just freaking awesome and no one expected it. I just – I don't think people are understanding how good Hooker has the potential to be. He put those numbers up last year during an offseason when he had just transferred in. He wasn't getting first team reps. He wasn't starting. This year it's completely different. It's his team. And he should thrive. So, yeah, hope should be high on Rocky Top, and I am all in on it this year. Okay. And now let's transition to the defense. 
Uh, Blake's already given us a take on the defense. This defense allowed over 35 points per SEC game. I believe that's second worst only Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. And um, what do we see here? Is this just a matter of offensive scheme? They're on the field too much? Or is it just simply depth and give Heupel some time? I've got to take on this one. And not only do they average that, defensively they gave up more than 45 times. But that's kind of the point. This defense, the style of defense they run, is supposed to give up big plays. This is how it is built. Not only is it supposed to give up big plays, it's supposed to make big plays. And I can back that up by saying tackles for loss last year, who was the number one team in the country, it was the Tennessee Volunteers. There are those in the in the analytical world that believe that this type of defense is incredibly difficult to learn in one year, and that in the second year, it takes a massive jump. So that's where I'm going to hang my hat on. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned, Bradley, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting because the offense in this scheme spends so little time on the field. You look mm-hmm. at the Kentucky game last year, that barn burner where it was, just seemed like no one, whoever had the ball last was going to win. Well, yeah, that's kind of the way it's kind of disguised here. I think Tennessee, so it says Tennessee only had the ball 14 minutes that game, that entire game. That's pretty frustrating. Well, I I mean, but so, but the point is, is they didn't have any depth. They had nobody to cycle in. So we had Jeremy Banks that was playing the entire freaking game at middle linebacker. I, I just look, it sounds like you make excuses for them. Maybe we are, but I, is it an excuse, an excuse or is it a reason? Because I can see it either way, for sure. I'd like to present some stats about the offense. The Tennessee offense, in my opinion, ran up the score on inferior teams. And when they played better to midway SEC teams, let me tell you their second half scoring, second half scoring production when all these kids are dead tired from the first half, putting up 100 points. Here they are, Parker. They scored 14 against Pitt. They scored zero second-half points against the Gators. They scored seven second-half points against Georgia, 14 against Ole Miss, 10 against Alabama, 21 against Kentucky, 21 against Vandy. That's something that concerns me. That was something that I actively watched all year last year was a gas team in the second half. Will they be able to make some uh, some tweaks here? Because I'm sure Coach Heupel has seen this. I trust in him to make a, a couple of tweaks. Well, I would respond to that. And like the Vanderbilt game, yeah, they only scored that many because they won 45 to 21. They didn't need to score anymore. Tennessee, they won 45 to 42. Against Kentucky, against South Carolina, 45 to 20. Against Missouri, 62 to 24. They didn't need to score in the second half, would be my reasoning for some of these. Pitt, yeah. Florida, Ole Miss, Bama. Would you call Georgia? Florida, would you call Florida a mid-level or a high-level team? They should every year be a high level. I didn't but ask last you what year they, they should weren't. be. Okay, so what were they? So they were a, a low-level team and you couldn't score against them. Zero. Where that was a bad time. I would if, also if say time, that, were they or were they were they proven to be a that, bad team? They were a low level that quit. What was their held, record whenever that, that game that started? That held your team to zip. What was what was their record when that game started? 
that it, it Flo- nothing, doesn't matter. They didn't play. Didn't that matter. Florida didn't game play. is the first game that Hendon Hooker started that wasn't against a team named Tennessee Tech. That is what's for that. That is literally the, his first game not against Tennessee Tech. Before that, it was Milton starting. So, yes, he held him. It was his first game. And I've just got done saying they, they were the best part about Florida is their secondary and their safeties. So, yes, he held them to that. I mean, it should be expected. Nothing. I, I expect more of the same as I've already predicted the Florida Gators to beat the Tennessee Vols. What do you see on their schedule in prediction-wise? Blink. So, talking about those 50-50 games, I got them beating the Gators. Call me an optimistic Vol fan. But I got them losing to LSU. I think that going to Death Valley, that's a tough task for anybody. I think they're going to win one of those games. But I think that LSU is going to be the tougher one just because of where it is. Kentucky, it'll be a tough game, but I think they're going to win that one. And I think we lose to the Bulldogs. I can't believe I'm saying this. I got them going nine and three. You call Kentucky and Van and the Gators a 50-50 game. Those games are 80-20 games. Woo! Come Especially on. the Gator game. This team goes nine and three with the potential to go ten and two. All right. Um, I told Blake earlier today. By the way, if they go ten and two, Hooker is a fantastic bet for the Heisman. Told Blake earlier today I can make an argument for both Florida and the Vols to go four and eight. Love to hear it. Both of them. But no, no, I won't do it just because I'm a Florida Gator fan. Here's what I got. I got a win against Ball State. I've got them getting some revenge, some red booty factor revenge against Pitt. Not even a game. Not even, them, a, not even a game. I got them whipping some Akron. Then the loss. Here come the losses. Florida loss, LSU loss, Bama loss. Then they get right with UT Martin. They do beat Kentucky. This Georgia thing, man, there's been a lot of hype. That yeah. They think that this this is the game. Not not so much the Florida one, but there, there's a lot of people in Middle Tennessee that says this is the game because of the turnover in the Georgia defense. This is the game that they they, they want Tennessee to win. This well, that's the thing, though. With this offense, it wouldn't surprise me. It just wouldn't. No, I, I do. Th- we'll get to it in a minute, but I do think Georgia drops a random game. I, I just don't know who it's to. It definitely could be. Could be. It absolutely could be the Tennessee. I'm not predicting that, but it could yeah. be. And then I've got wins against Missouri, the tricky game at South Carolina, Vanderbilt. So you've heard, I've got a bunch of W's. I am predicting eight and four. And I would be happy with eight and four. But will their eight and four, will you be happy with fourth place in eight and four? Stay tuned. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. No, I battle between eight and four and nine and three. I think that's absolutely feasible, but I just think that, I mean, there are five games that they will not lose on the schedule. Like, done set they'll be favored by 25 points in all of them <laughs> i mean like seriously vandy missouri tennessee martin akron ball state like it, it, it's ridiculous and then then it comes down like bradley was saying Pitt, florida lsu kentucky south carolina and do they get lucky and knock off georgia i'm not even gonna talk about Alabama. if florida starts zero and three and tennessee is three and oh how much is tennessee favored by but on the road, you'd be a three-point underdog because your three and O means nothing. 
and Florida's got two out of those three games with a team something. full of proven quitters. Who's the, who's Florida's first three games? Uh, all at home versus Utah right. versus U- Utah's good versus Kentucky and versus South Florida. I think they it, start off one and two. We got like two legit. legitimate games to your maybe one with Pittsburgh. It depends. I don't know. We got a team full of proven quitters. Different year. I think Tennessee's favored. No. I'll take your 50 bucks on that, too. <laughs> Sign me up, Austin Hooper, baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Here we go. Where are we going next? We're going to the Bluegrass State. The Kentucky Wildcats. Last year, the Kentucky Wildcats, led by head man Mark Stoops, went 10-3. and 5-3 and three in SEC play. I think a lot speaks to tenure in coaches. This man's been coaching there since 2013. He's definitely made his mark in Kentucky. And uh, for the team, it starts with a quarterback, Will Levis. Tell us more, Parker. Ah. Oh. God, I hate this team so much. <laughs> and Vegas thinks this team is going to win eight games. And I'm just going to go ahead and spoil my pick for you right off the top. If it wasn't for their garbage trash can Buffalo schedule, there is no way that this happens. Well, Levis, their quarterback, is getting top five NFL draft buzz. Y'all remember this guy named Sam Howell that had that buzz? Guess what happened? He lost all his players and he sucked. Kentucky loses both tackles, left and right, starting center. Wandell Robinson, the best receiver in the history of Kentucky football. They lost their offensive coordinator, their offensive line coach. Kentucky has lost people, but this isn't Alabama. They are not going to be able to restock. This team is not going to be what people think it is. Get ready. This is overrated, overhyped. Will Levis is the new Sam Howell. Wow. I couldn't even keep up pushing the button fast enough, so I just stopped. But I can't agree more with what Parker's saying. Uh, I have on here is Will Re- Will Levis the real deal. I- I'm not convinced. I just don't see it. Their offensive line has got holes in it right now. Top two receivers are gone to the NFL. Um, Rodriguez, yeah, he, he's good running back, right? But, I mean, if everybody's looking for him, I mean, how, how good is he really going to be? I mean, their defense Their defense could be all right, but, I mean, it, again, I, I don't see the hype. I think that they could sneak up on some people. Maybe they do. Let's see if I got 50-50. Oh, I do have 50-50 games. One, two. I only have two 50-50 games for them. Oh, no, I got way more. I'd I love have a whole them. schedule of 50-50 games. <laughs> Well, in the underwear Olympics, Will Levis at the combine is going to look amazing. Yes, again, three, two hundred thirty-two pounds. Exactly. But last year, you know, people were talking top five. He's going to do all these things. He threw twenty-four touchdowns last year. He's tied for twenty-first. He lost both tackles of center and his best wide receiver, and he's going to be better. I I don't get it. Blake, I'm telling you, I see way more than two. I think. I think. I think I, you're I, giving I, them too much credit I, I, here. I missed one. It's actually three, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it's a what, what's what are the fans? 
what's the what are the fans mindset up there are they like hey we've earned the right now we actually won 10 games and we've got a good basketball school so now we got a good football school get out of here they come back to earth this year parker yeah i i i completely agree and 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 Blake mentioned it. I do love Rodriguez. An interesting stat. 17% of the time he runs, he runs for more than 10 yards, which I thought was crazy efficient. Wow. He's got to run away from all of his court dates. Oh, <laughs> Lord. He might not even play in the Florida game week two. Jeez. You're right. And there is a conspiracy out there that he is going to be suspended for one game. <laughs> He's going to miss Miami of Ohio. <laughs> and be back and be back for Florida. And it's not just offense, man. The defense has got question. They're outside the top 100 against the pass. They play this style defense where, yeah, we don't give up bombs, but you can paper cut them to death. I, yeah. I just think this year, the real Kentucky will stand up. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start us off here. I mean, I think they'll probably sneak up on the Gators. I do. They're going to win that game just because Florida's, you know, destined to be another another team full of quitters. What can I say? But I've got them losing to South Carolina, losing to Tennessee. Those are my only 50-50 games. I also got them losing to Mississippi State. I got them going 7-5. and five. I li- Listen to their schedule, y'all. They play Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern uh, Illinois, Missouri, Vandy. That is five gimmies right there. And I'm not including rebuilding uh, Florida or Tennessee's defense or anything like that. Just five gimmies. I've got them going six and six. If everything goes perfect, they win seven games. And I'm not insulting them. A couple of years ago, if I would have told you Kentucky football wins seven games, there would have been parades in the street in that state. Well, that's the thing. I really like Mark Stoops, too. I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I think he's a great coach. So, again, we're not hating on them. I just think that's kind of just what they are. I'd argue there's one more gimme. Okay. And we talked about it in our ACC prediction show. You can go back and listen to that. They're going to whip that ass against Louisville. That's what they do. Because SEC, it just means more, right? It just means more. I can see this team going anywhere from six and six to eight and four. Some people said like 10 and wins again. I don't, I'm not buying 10. I'm not buying 10. I'm going to go. They beat Miami of Ohio. They beat Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. They get lucky. They're at home with some of these 50, 50 a lot of these 50 50. They at home, they're at home against South Carolina, Mississippi State. I think both of those teams are on the uptick. I've got them losing to Tennessee. They get the at Missouri thing, Vandy, Louisville, I think is a gimme. I'm going eight and four, but I'm not very confident in it. But but Bradley, they don't have any home field advantage at your favorite Kroger. <laughs> yes, Kroger field where the sacks will be full. Oh man, oh me, oh my. I think this eight and four gentleman is uh it's in a three-way tie with Florida eight and four, Tennessee eight and four, Kentucky eight and four. I'm just saying Florida's number two in the East, Tennessee's number three in the East, Kentucky's number four in the East. And we may be talking about the number one team in the East coming up next. Because we're going between the hedges, the Georgia Bulldogs. Gentlemen, 
the Georgia Bulldogs 14 and 1, 8 and 0 in SEC play. Their only loss was in the SEC title game against Alabama, led by Coach Kirby Smart since 2016. They are the reigning, defending national champions of college football. There's questions. I question the quarterback still. I question you losing eight players from your defense to the NFL. Parker, what do you see? I see all that. Not just eight. They lost 15 players in the NFL draft overall, counting on offense. And not just that, they're replacing five coaches. Alabama has proven they can move on with new coaches and players every single year. It's rinse, wash, and repeat. But it's harder than it looks. Kirby Smart has yet to do that, and he has to prove it this year. I mean, there has to be a letdown somewhere, right? They got to slip up. Week one. What is it with their week one games? Why, you know, last year they played Clemson out of the gate. Oh, to a 9-3 game? Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's always, they always yeah. pick a first game that's going to be like, holy shit, what's going to be the outcome here? Hey, or- Oregon's used to going into places, Ohio State, and whipping that ass. So Georgia better be looking out here. Yeah, I mean, you know, offenses i mean i think their offense is good enough i mean they got good wide receivers but they got next level tight ends um running backs <laughs> he's ready to tell you about some time yep yep they're gonna retool in, in, in the running back room but like y'all said all those defenders that left it kind of worries me a little bit but it's georgia i just feel like they're they're going to restock they're gonna retool they're gonna reload whatever phrase you're gonna you're gonna say is the East safe? I think so. Parker, give us more. Blake mentioned their weapons, and they do have a big time when maybe at wide receiver. Legit, people say track speed, but legit track speed. Arian Smith runs a 4-2-9-40. But forget the wideouts. It is about the big men. They have, on this one team, three of the nation's top 15 tight ends. Brock Bowers, sophomore, six foot four, 230 pounds. Last year, he was Georgia's leading receiver as a freshman. Then had Eric Gilbert, another tight end, LSU transfer, 6'5, 248. And don't forget about the man, the myth, the beast, Darnell Washington, tight end, six foot seven, 265 pounds. Setson Bennett is going to be throwing to these guys. I mean, just throw it up. Like, just throw it up to these guys. Tight end, it's going to be dominant for them this year. Yeah, I totally agree. When you have a great defense, a good running game, and then tight ends like that, it has to make your quarterback good. I mean, there's no, oh, God, I got to stand in the pocket for three and a half seconds. Yeah. And look downfield. This guy's got dump offs all over the place. Yeah. All he's got to do is read where the double team is and go the other damn way. Yep. Yep. He does. To Parker's point, he's literally got guys that are just so big, strong, and skilled. I mean, kind of just throw it up. And then it leaves it to the defenses to have to bring them down. Yeah. They have to tackle. (laughs) And college football does not prove to have the, the greatest tackling skills. No, no, not at all. I, the, I don't. I don't have a lot of fifty-fifty games for them guys. Obviously, 
But the question is, with that defense getting worse, Stetson Bennett has to step it up, right? And and while people in their heads like, well, he was great in the playoff and he was great in the national championship. Yeah, that was the only time they really let him go. You know, Stetson Bennett threw 50% less than Bryce Young. And I'm going to stand on this podium until I die that Stetson Bennett will be the Kenny Pickett of 2022. Last year, and that's not an insult, right? Kenny Pickett had an insane year. Last year, Kenny Pickett had a career year, year at Pickett. And let me explain why. We talked about this in previous podcasts. Because he's a grown man playing against children. (laughs) When you were a senior in high school, you were probably better and probably could dominate the seventh graders, right? Like, it just makes sense. It's the same thing for Pickett and the same thing for Stetson Bennett, who will be turning 26 years old this season. He's been playing for Georgia since 2017. To put that in perspective, Trevor Lawrence, who played for years at Clemson, who's in his second year in the NFL, is 22. Jeez. That's unbelievable stuff. But does he have tiny hands? That is what I want to know. (laughs) Tiny hands picket? Is is it tiny hands Stetson? That's all. No, 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 no. I, I think not that I know of anyways. Not that I <laughs> not that I know, do, do know deep dive yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and start us off, guys. You know, I said there's there's gotta be a game where there's a letdown, right? They gotta slip up somewhere. The problem is, is I just can't find it on the schedule. Now, now, is there a couple games that, you know, maybe could they sneak up on them? I mean, we were talking about Tennessee. I I don't know, maybe. Uh, but I just don't see it. I see this as 12 and 0. They win the East. It's a good thing that Stetson Bennett, the mailman, as he's known as in, in Georgia, doesn't play on Sundays, right? Because he's going to have to deliver all year long because this defense last year gave up eight touchdowns. And I mean, that's just not going to happen again. And as I have been talking from every team, I know it's getting old, but it's the schedule. Their projected offense efficiency that Georgia will face this year, even if their defense is worse, averages in the top 70. They don't play Bama. They don't play a They don't play Ole Miss. They don't play an LSU. They will be favored by eight and a half in every single game, but they will slip up. I don't know who. I don't know if it's Tennessee. I don't know. They just will not run the table 11 and 1. They, by the Vegas, they're projected favorites in all 12 games. Um, I can make an argument of five losses and let UT and Florida battle it out for the championship. You want to hear it? Oregon at South Carolina, Florida versus Tennessee at Kentucky. If something goes bad and they lose five games, just think how big that UT versus Florida Gator game may be. I'm not predicting it. I'm going 11 and one. How much would have to go bad though, for that to happen? You know what though, Bradley, you hit on a perfect point because Oregon right now is being wooed by the big 10. They're being wooed to stay where they're at. This game to Oregon could be worth millions of like where, what conference they're going to go in, where they're going to stay. It is a massive deal. They are going to show up and ready to play. in that game. And, and as fans, we get to benefit from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. We've all got Georgia winning the East. 
going to be interesting to see. East is on the rise. What is what's going to happen? I don't know. We'll have to let it play out. But guys, thanks for joining us tonight. We've been teasing it for a while now on this our 2022 SEC Eastern Division prediction show. We encourage you to go ahead on your way out to hit that like and subscribe button there on YouTube. Give us a rumble on Rumble. Follow us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can catch the audio versions of all the podcasts on your favorite podcasting platform. Boys, final thoughts before we get out of here. You know, usually I like to go to a little poetry corner in Philadelphia. But today I'm not going to go so far. I'm just going to go down to West End. I'm going to listen to Clark Willie. Quote, we know in time Vanderbilt will be the best football program in the country. (laughs) Bold statement. Jeez. (laughs) Be bold. All I got to say is Vols fans, Kentucky fans, maybe South Carolina fans, just pump the brakes just a little bit. Don't, don't, don't act like you're going to the national title. Don't act like you're even going to win the sec title. Just let, just be happy. Have a nice, happy season. You're going to do just fine. Relax. And we'll be talking about you all season long. Yeah, I'm sure. And Hey guys, go ahead and like, and subscribe. So you don't miss a single broadcast all year, but all I've got to say is go big, Orange.